Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1 with All Care Pharmacy. Discover a healthcare team that's always here for you at All Care Pharmacy, Ireland's largest community pharmacy network. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1. Has an intense yearning for a piece of chocolate ever stopped you in your tracks? Do you dream about doughnuts, fantasise about a big greasy fry? Well, a food craving is an intense desire for a specific food and it can hit due to emotional and psychological reasons. But the science behind what is going on in your gut can have a lot to do with those impulsive decisions. I'm joined now by Orla Walsh, who's a dietitian, and Dr Sabina Brennan, neuroscientist and author. Uh, thank you both for being with us today. And we're going to discuss why we almost go into autopilot when the food we are craving pops into our brains. So Orla, to start with you, why is it that the food that we crave, the food that stops us in our tracks, it's often high in fat or high in sugar? My point is we would never really crave broccoli or an apple, would we? Um, well, we're craving hyper palatable food. So in other words, really tasty food. Um, and, you know, these foods taste really nice. Um, they're easy to eat and easy to overeat. And these are the foods that we're reaching for, especially if um, the craving is coming from an emotional response. So, Sabina, then these feelings, they take over our brain sometimes, don't they? I mean, a lot of people <laughs> will be familiar with that feeling that we're going into autopilot when we have a craving for something. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, the thing is with these foods, the hyperpalatable foods, they kick off um, uh, a, a dopamine spike. So when you eat, when you take in food, um, you will get a dopamine, a dopamine release, triggering you know pleasurable fee- feelings and motivation to engage in that activity again. That happens, you know, when we eat, when we have sex, you know, things that are important for survival. But with these um, highly processed foods the spike is much, much higher. Um, and so we kind of get a greater kick out of those. And then, um, you know, it's kind of related to habitual behaviours as well, that um, if you repeatedly um, engage in something, you know, there's a trigger. It could be your Netflix show that you want to watch, or it could be the time of day, it could be lunch. Um, you engage in the behaviour, eating the chocolate, and you get this pleasurable reward. Mm-hmm. But with time, what happens then is you actually start to anticipate the reward and that's kind of where craving comes in craving drives it so once you see the trigger then you start to get this um this craving what about orla the why why we have the cravings in the first place is it because we haven't had enough sleep our hormones might be out of kilter our diet is lacking in something yeah, there's lots of reasons. And for most people, what I, I describe it as is picture a lake and we're going to throw a stone into the lake and watch the ripple effect and see what happens um, downstream. So, for example, if someone comes in with extremely high cravings in the evening time, what we might do is look at breakfast. And we know that when people eat enough calories at breakfast or enough protein at breakfast and sometimes switch to a savoury breakfast, they can have a big impact on evening eating patterns. Now, of course, there's habit there, so you kind of can quickly get into the habit of having uh, treat-like foods in the evening time. And in the same way, it doesn't take long to break that habit. Mm -hmm. But for most people, what I do is I actually look at what's happening at the start of the day. Okay, that that might influence the end of it. Exactly, because if we don't eat enough, we're kind of chasing hunger for the rest of the day. And in the same way that if someone starts with a savoury breakfast, they're not getting that sweet craving first thing, um, 
first thing in the morning. So if you have something sweet for breakfast, you might chase something sweet then for the rest of the day. Interesting. But Sabina, those healthier habits, they might help us manage those cravings, but they won't make them go away completely, will they? They won't make them go away completely. And the type of food we eat, you see, the thing is, you know, a food intake is controlled by two complementary pathways a homeostatic one and a non-homeostatic one, the hedonistic one, the one that, you know, we're talking about here, the craving. But the homeostatic one is the one that should tell us um, when to eat when we've low energy. The non-homeostatic, the hedonistic one, um, that, it, that, that increases our motivation to eat even if we've got no energy depletion. Um, so, um, and, and taking in sugar disrupts the body's natural ability to sense hunger and satisfaction. So it all gets kind of messed up and your your hunger hormones go out of whack and as you touched on earlier with sleep um a chronic stress lack of exercise they all make cravings um more difficult to um address so as you just said there even if you override with a healthy habit and you can actually come to crave things like apples and healthy food um you you can it just doesn't have the same sort of um, a spike that the, the sweet stuff does. But what's really, really important, I think, if you are trying to, um, you know, start to eat more, overcome those cravings, is to take into account the other factors that really do influence, and that's poor sleep. If you have disrupted sleep, you're inclined to consume about 300 more calories uh, the next day, and you'll crave those from fat and from sugar. Also, it disrupts ghrelin and leptin, the hormones that tell you you're either hungry or um, that you've had enough. And basically, um, they get switched around and you Mm -hmm. have this thing that says you're more hungry than you actually are. Same with stress. Um, When cortisol is released, it seems to also influence the dopamine and actually encourage you to crave more food. Um, Exercise is a great way around it because it seems to um, counteract that um, in terms of the, the, the craving, it helps immensely. And then obviously we hardly touched on it. Your microbiota play a huge role, um, in cravings. They really, you know, it's involved in your second brain and sends messages to your brain. Um, if you have bad gut bacteria or rather the unhealthy good ba- gut bacteria that craves chocolate, it's going to send messages to your brain. So looking after what you eat and eating things like fermented foods, um, kefir, miso, those kind of things can help actually, um, you know, boost the, the good book, uh, gut bacteria and help you can, um, can, overcome those can cravings I ask as Orla, well. Can I ask Orla about that, that this gut-brain access that uh, Sabina was just explaining to us? Do you agree that we can influence that by what we eat? Yeah, absolutely. So what what we focus on is trying to diversify the gut microbiome. So it's not just bacteria, although it's predominantly bacteria, it's also things like yeast um, and viruses. Um, And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, You know, I I think we've come to terms with the fact that you can have good bacteria and bad bacteria. Um, But I suppose the most important thing is to diversify it. And if we're eating the same thing day in, day out, our gut is eating the same thing day in, day out. So it's really important to focus on a variety in your diet so I suppose if some, someone wanted a target, we tend to encourage people to have 30 different plants a week. So it's not just carbohydrates and fruits and veg, it's herbs, it's spices, it's nuts, seeds, legumes. It's trying to diversify your plant intake so that you diversify your gut bacteria. Mm-hmm. And that's important because the gut and 
the brain are constantly communicating and the what the bacteria do is they talk to our nerves and that talks to our brain and vice versa and um, everyone's felt butterflies in their tummy and uh, so they they can relate to that conversation that their gut and brain are having so i suppose the most important thing to diversify your gut is really that to diversify your bacteria in your gut through um a varied diet and for most people, that doesn't mean taking probiotics um, because a lot of the probiotics on the market haven't even shown to make it to the gut and pass the uh, acid in our stomach and make it there. It's more about having a variety in terms of your, your diet and your, your vegetable and fruit intake, is it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're all devils for having the same thing in the shopping list um, week in, week out. So again, it's just making sure that we're branching out. And sometimes eating in season is a, a good way to do that because it makes us change with the season. Okay, I'm going to leave that one there because of one more thing that I want to touch on before we get to 12 o'clock. Dr Sabina Brennan and Orla Walsh, thank you both for joining us. Going back to today's main story, and it does look likely now that a deal will be signed this afternoon between the EU and the UK on post-Brexit trading arrangements for Northern Ireland. And Elaine Lachlan, Deputy Political Editor with the Irish Examiner, is on the line now. Just to bring us up to speed, Elaine, with where we are now, It looks like at this stage, as we come up to midday, that this deal is done by the signatures. Just take us through the timeline on how things will proceed this afternoon. Yeah, it does look, it does seem like we're getting very positive uh, mutterings out of London at the moment with Ursula von der Leyen on her way to meet with the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. And as you said uh, just a few moments ago as well, Claire, there is confirmation now that the King will meet uh, Ursula von der Leyen for tea later on as well. Uh, We expect though that after um, Mr Sunak and Ursula von der Leyen meet that um, Rishi Sunak will go straight into a cabinet meeting to get this deal approved by his ministers. And then we expect um, the House of Commons or the Parliament to meet. Unclear whether there'll be a vote there, but certainly it'll be discussed. um, And we expect that it'll go through later on this evening. What On the Dublin side of things, what we're hearing is that Taoiseach and Thánaiste, um, Michal Martin, who's actually abroad at the moment due to come back into the country around half five this morning, uh, this evening, are on standby to put out a statement and perhaps uh, hold a brief uh, press conference this evening when we do get confirmation that that deal is done. Um, but just a, a health warning on this, we've had fall. Oh, Elaine's line seems to have dropped. Just deal as, sorry, deal. Elaine. Elaine, your line just uh, stopped there for, for a minute. But I see that Ursula von der Leyen, the European Commission president, has tweeted an image of herself arriving at St Pancras. So she is in London. That was just in the last couple of minutes. But pick up on what you were saying there uh, just before the line dropped. Ah, we seem to have a problem um, with the line there. Ah, she seems to be uh, she seems to be gone. But look, we'll we'll keep you up to date with this. And of course, we're watching very carefully for a response from the DUP on this. This is a, a critical part of this deal. Uh, whether the Stormont executive will be able in the next number of weeks to be up and running on the back of this deal when it is, as it seems inevitable now, signed by the British Prime Minister and the Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. Now, let's go through uh, the headlines today. As I was saying, Ursula von der Leyen has arrived in London for talks with the British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak on post-Brexit trading arrangements. She said on her arrival that she was looking forward to opening a new chapter in diplomatic relations with the UK. The UN Secretary 
Attorney-General Antonio Guterres has said the opening session of the Human Rights Council in Geneva that Russia's invasion of Ukraine has unleashed a tidal wave of human rights violations. And official sources are now reporting that 61 people have died, including 12 children, after a boat carrying migrants sank off the southern coast of Italy. And we were discussing that story earlier in the programme and mentioning those pictures we saw of those uh, survivors who were sitting by the coast, wrapped in blankets, uh, and you can only imagine what they witnessed. Well, that's it for today. Thank you for listening. Today's programme was produced by Barbara Feeney, researched by Emma Cawley. Our broadcast coordinator was Louise Carr-Ross and Liam Mullen was on sound. Now, coming up uh, to midday, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back after this. Text 51551. Today with Claire Byrne on RTE Radio 1.